welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast. Guys, this is the uh, the Daily Double. We get two episodes in one week, probably the first time we've done that. Uh, and it's just because we've uh, we've been fortunate with uh, with quality content from uh, from the NFL and, and from some of our guests this week. Uh, we've got Zach and Matt join with me today. Guys, how are you? Good. The NFL machine is uh, well-oiled and running right now. Absolutely, yeah. I have uh, officially begun my fantasy football draft research, so it's it's time. I'm ready. What have you learned so far? Um, pretty much that I didn't research enough last year. <laughs> so you start? Yeah. Have you started earlier than last year? Is this early? Um, let's just say that I've been more intentional this year. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll hope for some improvement in uh, in 2017. Um, That's all I'm but, gonna say because I'm I'm keeping it all top secret. Sure. <laughs> kind of like Zach yeah. and Brian do with all their uh, spreadsheets and secret stuff they do on their computers. <laughs> as as one does. Um, guys, episode 53. Um, we had 52. I guess that was Tuesday night, and uh, we're, we're rolling right along. Episode 53. Let's think of. Uh, I guess this is another linebacker number. Um, first one that came to mind for me. Current 53. Navarro Bowman, uh, linebacker from uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Yes, one of uh, Rob's or Jeff's favorite players, I, I recall. The gods love the San Francisco 49er linebackers. Yeah, they definitely do. Well, Navarro Bowman is a great, great talent. He's been through a lot in his career, so I was glad to, to put him up there. Uh, I don't know if you guys will get this next one. Bill Romanowski, do you guys remember him? Um. <laughs> Raiders? The guy, the guy was crazy. Yeah, played for the Raiders, played for the Broncos. I think he had maybe four or five incidents of assault with his own teammates. I mean, every, every place he went, he played for. I mean, the dude was just, just a monster. I think he was right around steroid era kind of began. Um, but, yeah, that's when I think of steroids in football, I think of Bill Romanowski. Yeah, he's the poster child, for sure, in my mind, of steroids. He uh he was also he's been in several movies recently. He was in The Longest Yard. He was in I want to say The Benchwarmers. You ever saw those movies? Um, but yeah, definitely definitely a 53 that comes to mind. Basketball, uh, Daryl Dawkins. Oh yeah. Right? Yep. Chocolate Chocolate Thunder. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. So not a lot of 53s. Um, I had to do a little research on on two of those, but um, definitely. Uh, excited to have another uh, episode of the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast. We've been uh, we've been lucky lately, guys, and I think you know for our listeners they know why. Um, we had a very special first ever special guest, uh, Mr. John McClain, the Man in Black of uh, the Houston Chronicle, and uh, we were lucky and privileged to have him uh, last week, early last week, and uh, and we Zach, we officially had a second guest join us earlier this week and we wanted to uh we wanted to be sure and, and and share our talk with uh with our call of the week it's time for the call of the week last week we were fortunate enough to welcome our first ever special guest john mcclain of the houston chronicle this week we're lucky again and happy to be joined by mike DiRocco, jacksonville jaguars beat reporter for espn's nfl nation to talk about the other half of the Southern teams in the AFC South. Mike, thanks for your time today. 
Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Mike, uh, there's there's seemingly a competitive uh, quarterback battle in Houston. Uh, Indy is hoping their franchise quarterback can make it back under center by week one. And Tennessee has its fingers crossed that their young quarterback uh, can last until January. What's uh, what's the pulse in Jacksonville for their quarterback? And uh, or is there even a pulse at all? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a make-or-break year for Blake Bortles. I mean, he's been put on notice by Tom Coughlin, essentially from the moment Coughlin walked in the door, that you, you can't keep turning the ball over. I mean, he's got 63 turnovers, which is the most in the NFL in the last three years, 51 interceptions, which is the second most. And the bad part is, is a lot of those have been killers, you know, 11 pick sixes. Um, he's throwing interceptions in the end zone. He's throwing interceptions deep in his own territory. They're really just killers. And, and that's what's been one of the biggest issues with this offense. In addition to not being able to run the ball, it's just the inconsistency with which he's played. So he's got to be better this year, or they're going to be looking for another quarterback next year. Now, he's the guy this year. Now, you know, there's no competition. He's going to be the starter. Um, you know, the only way he's not playing is if he's hurt or if it's just so bad that, that eventually they decide, you know what, we just can't win games with him anymore. Let's either get Chad Henney in or Brandon Allen. But, um, you know, I expect him to actually hold this job for the whole year. I just don't think he's going to be, um, you know, fantastic. I think, you know, the best they can hope for him is to be, you know, a little above average. Yeah, and it, it definitely sounds like, you know, Dave Caldwell and, and, and the brass down in Jacksonville are, are trying to help him out as best as possible. Uh, drafting Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, n- pick number four overall this year in the draft. It seems like he is the most promising fantasy prospect in the entire roster. Uh, can we expect a workhorse rookie season similar to Ezekiel Elliott's in Dallas or will head coach Tom Coughlin, uh, I, I mean, sorry, Doug Marone, employ a committee with Ivory and Yeldon? No, I mean, I think that they're going to get carries. Ivory and Yeldon are going to get carries, maybe more so in the beginning of the year than the end of the year. But I do think that Fournette's going to be the main back. I would be surprised if he's under 250 carries. Um, It's just you don't draft the number four guy overall, a guy of that skill set, a guy of that power, um, basically to build your offense around him and then not give him the football. Um, you know, he's a much better receiver out of the backfield than, than his reputation when he was coming out. I'm really not sure how, you know, the questions about his ability to do that first surface, but, you know, he's going to touch the ball a ton in the past game as well. So he's going to be their workhorse and he's got to deliver. Now, you know, I would argue, you mentioned something at the beginning that said, you know, they're, they're doing their best to help Bortles. Well, I would argue that they didn't only because they didn't address the offensive line as much as they should over the last several years, which may end up being a problem in terms of Fournette's touchdown or yardage production, but certainly he's going to be the workhorse and get the bulk of the work. Yeah, and referencing your article this week from ESPN.com, my my question would be, did fantasy owners witness the fantasy football funeral, if you will, of TJ Yeldon on draft night in April? Yeah, I mean, they like him as a third down back. He's very good in pass protection. He's probably their best back in that aspect. Um, you know, and he did catch 50 balls last year. He was the third leading receiver. So I expect him to still have a role, um, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield and a third down guy. Um, but again, that's stuff that Fournette can do as well. So he's not going to be as involved as he has been in the past. So it's just going to be hard for guys like, um, Yeldon and Ivory to really get a ton of touches 
um, with Fournette there. And, and that's really the way it should be. Fournette's the best back they have. He's the guy who should touch it more. Yeah, and speaking of receptions, you know, are, are you expecting bounce back seasons from the Allens, you know, being Robinson and Hearns? And who are some uh, some sleeper targets we could eye in later rounds? Um, yeah, I mean, I do expect Allen Robinson to have a big, well, a bounce back year from last year. He's been their best player in camp um, since they started. Um, but right behind him is Marquise Lee, so he's a guy that I actually would consider their number two receiver, and arguably. Um, you know, if you're calling Robinson one, then Marquise would be one A. Um, but I, I would take him in fantasy league over Alan Hearns. Um, I just think he's more dynamic. Uh, he's a guy that can stretch the field. He's a guy that can work in the slot as well. Um, you know, and they've really worked on these uh, fades down the sideline in camp. They've thrown more of them this camp than I think I can remember them throwing in any of the other two camp, three camps behind. Or, any of the other three camps combined. So he's a guy that I would actually probably put significantly higher than Hearns. Um, a guy who's come on in terms of uh, camp, but I don't know, just because of, of the other weapons they have, a guy that you might grab late would be Dee Westbrook, the rookie out of Oklahoma. Um, very, very, very quick. Um, really good out of the slot. Can get up on guys really quickly and then use his quickness to get free. So I think he's a guy that will end up getting some work, but I just don't know, you know, they're not going to throw it as much as they did last year anyway. Bortles is averaging 37 pass attempts a game, and they want that under 30. So when you add in the, the Fournette factor, the factor that he's going to be, a, you know, uh, someone in the pass game that's going to get some work too, you would think that's fewer targets for the rest of those guys, and I would think that they would be concentrated more on Lee, Robinson, and Hearns. But, um, you know, Westbrook might be a guy, if you're looking for somebody, you know, as a keeper league late, he might be someone to take a chance on. And I would imagine that that Mercedes Lewis and even, you know, recently signed Michael Rivera, those those guys probably just being safety blankets for Bortles this year, nothing nothing beyond that in terms of targets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lewis has caught 36 passes in the past two seasons combined. Um, you know, and I know Julius Thomas was here two years ago, but he, Thomas was a non-factor last year. Uh, maybe around the goal line, I see Lewis being a guy that gets more work in the pass game, but he's such a good blocker uh, that, you know, he's essentially an extra offensive tackle, almost an extra offensive tackle out there. So, you know, he'll be used to help spring Fournette a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I don't see Rivera being real involved, and I don't see Lewis being real involved in the pass game. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if both of those guys end up with 20, you know, 22 catches apiece. Um, so nothing really major. Yeah, sure. And, and, and Mike, for the past few seasons, it seems like the Jaguars have ranked near the top of uh, the preseason projections for, you know, quote unquote, turnaround teams. Uh, should we have reason to believe, you know, the talk and the hype this year? Or for you, is this kind of, a, you know, I'll believe it when I see it season? Yeah, that's exactly how I'm operating. I'm operating under the principle that this is a bad team until they show me on the field that they're not. Um, I've gotten caught up in, you know, while they've made some improvements before, boy, they see these guys take the next step, and, you know, this should be a team that contends for the division. Nope, I'm not buying it. Uh, I think the offensive line is below average at best. I think that's going to be a huge problem for this team. Um, you know, I do like what they've done in terms of adding A.J. Boye. Jalen Ramsey is – you know, on his way to becoming one of the best players in the league, um, you know, but they still don't really have a proven pass rusher 
Yanni Kangakwe did it one year and he had eight. Fowler looks like he's headed down the road to Bustville. Um, they moved their best linebacker, Paul Pozlesny, to the strong side, and they're playing Miles Jack in the middle now. And he's sort of been MIA in camp, really hasn't flashed or done much. So, you know, I've stood by my pick on this team winning six games this year um, before, and I've seen no reason to back off now. So I don't necessarily, I don't see them being contenders in the division this year. So, you know, keeping the defense in mind, we are in a uh, IDP league, individual defensive players. Who are, who are some IDP names that we could potentially call out toward the end of our draft on draft night? And uh, is Jacksonville's team defense worth a pick in 14 team leagues? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Jags are certainly – the one thing about the Jags' defensive pass the other years is they just haven't made big plays or they've made few big plays and they don't force a lot of turnovers. And that's a big issue. When your offense is struggling as inconsistent as they are, you need your defense to make big plays, and, and they didn't. Uh, that being said, um, I would snatch up A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, the, the thing of it is, is that with those two on the outside now, teams cannot avoid one. Like, you cannot avoid throwing at Ramsey because you have to deal with Bouye and vice versa. So those guys are going to get plenty of action. They're both going to probably end up with um, – you know, staying on one side or another unless it's a special circumstance so they won't be rotating guys around so, uh, you know, on the best receiver. So there's there's a chance that those guys are going to get, you know, a lot of uh, opportunities to make some big plays. Um, you know, I, I just don't see, you know, Unique Ngakwe, the defensive end, has had a really good camp. Um, and he did have eight sacks as a rookie last year. So he might be a guy to take, a you know, a chance on. And I think the defense will be better. Um, you know, finished sixth in total yards last year, but they still give up way too many points. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I kind of think that this is going to end up being a defense that, you know, makes a few plays here and there. I don't see it as being elite, but, um, you know, they, they should be better in terms of points allowed and forcing turnovers. One of our favorite segments on on our podcast during the preseason is always what we call no thanks. And uh, we we list a player, maybe even a, a position group uh, from a team that we just we have no interest in drafting. They're, they're not going to help our fantasy team. So leave them in the free agency or leave them on the board. Uh, John McClain, we had him on last week. John uh, said the quarterback position for the Texans is his no thanks who uh, it, it sounds like with the Jags, it's pick your poison, but is there a, a player that comes to mind or even a position group uh, in Jacksonville that you can definitively say no thanks to? Yeah, I don't want to piggyback off John, but I wouldn't touch Blake Bortles. I just wouldn't. Um, <laughs> if he's <laughs> the ball over too much, he'll be out. And then Chad Henney's in, and it's just not uh, – you know, Henney was so ineffective in 2014. I mean, the, the, the offense was non-functional first three weeks that that they said we've got to put Bortles in I mean they, they originally didn't want to play him Henny was so bad that they had to put him in um and that's their best option now if Bortles is benched so no thank you on taking the Jags quarterbacks I just think there's too much risk I like it and, and based on your, your comments earlier I think I know where this is where this is heading but you know other than the Jags and the Titans inevitably splitting games again in 2017 what is your official or unofficial prediction for the AFC South um, I don't really like the Texans quarterback situation uh, one great game from Deshaun Watson in the preseason doesn't do it for me um, so I think that that's going to be an issue all year 
and that really hurts them because their defense is really, really good with Wattback. So I'm going to go with the Titans to win the division. I think the additions that they made uh, both in free agency and in the draft are really going to help Marcus Mariota signing Eric Decker. Um, you know, after he was released was a, a move that, that may end up being the best and most significant move in the division in terms of adding a free agent. So I like the Titans win it, Texans to come in second. And then whichever team finishes last is kind of depends on the Colts. If, if Andrew Luck's not able to go, then I'll take them last. But if, if he's able to play and is effective, then I think the Jags will probably be bringing up the last spot in the division again. All right, follow him at ESPN Duraku and, and read his work daily on ESPN.com. Mike, really appreciate your time today and, and all the best this season. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Again, that was Mike Duraku, Jacksonville Jaguars beat reporter for ESPN.com. Uh, wow, another great get for us and uh, another great interview with one of the AFC South beat reporters. Uh, so so hopefully we'll have some more uh, some more guests lined up and, and we'll be able to complete the uh, the look at the AFC South. I'm uh, I'm very impressed with how honest these guys have been. Yeah, for real. About the team that they cover. I mean, John McClain. I mean, both of them have been almost brutally honest about um, their apprehension. I guess. I, I like how they're playing along with our no thanks too. I was just about to say that, Zach. Yeah, that that was that was one thing that I've, I've really enjoyed, um, and and I thought that uh, both both segments have, have gone, I guess, better than than uh, my expectations. So we've yeah. we've been been lucky for sure. Um, so appreciate Mike and, and his time he gave us, and, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, and if you did, and, and if you guys are on Twitter, you know, follow follow Mike at ESPN Duraco and, and kind of give him some feedback and and uh, some some thanks for for coming on. So. Um, that was our call of the week, and again, that was uh, Mike Duraco of ESPN.com. Um, next, let's uh, let's go through some NFL league news. Friday, the NFL uh, did not um, was not short of headlines, so let's take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. And it never gets old. Um, first headline Friday morning, I guess uh, sometime around noon, um, it was announced that the Buffalo Bills made a trade. And I think this was the first of the two trades. There were multiple trades uh, involving the Bills on Friday. First trade um, that, uh, that came across the wire, Bill sent cornerback Ronald Darby to the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for wide receiver Jordan Matthews, a 2018 third-round pick. Um, so, guys, I guess – we uh, maybe that was the second trade actually, because what prompted the trade for Jordan Matthews was probably the trade that got the bigger headlines. Yeah. Um, another Bills trade, same day on Friday, Bills sent wide receiver Sammy Watkins and their 2018 sixth-round pick to the Los Angeles Rams for their cornerback EJ Gaines and a 2018 second-round pick. Um, so I guess what you naturally would do here is compare the trade. The Bills end up with Jordan Matthews and, and get rid of Sammy Watkins. So my question, guys, is this uh, is this addition by subtraction for um, for the Bills getting rid of Sammy Watkins, a guy who's been riddled with injuries? Uh, what were your thoughts on, on the trade overall? Well, I think if anybody listens to this podcast for any amount of time, you're going to know – exactly how everybody here is going to respond to anything that has to do with Sammy Watkins 
which is um, congratulations, Buffalo Bills. Jordan Matthews is a better get. Yeah, and here's a, here, here's kind of a stat comparison between Sammy Watkins and, and Jordan Matthews. Both drafted in 2014. Watkins was the fourth overall pick, while uh, Jordan Matthews was 42nd overall. Here's some, some kind of career numbers side by side. Um, Sammy Watkins playing in 37 games in his three-year career, 153 receptions, 2,459 receiving yards, in 17 touchdowns, whereas Jordan Matthews has played in 46 games, 225 catches, 2,673 yards, and 19 touchdowns. So it looks like, I mean, in terms of the red zone production and, and fantasy value, Sammy Watkins has played in, uh, you know, 11 fewer games, but has only two fewer touchdowns, if that makes any sense. So I'm not really sure. Um the value there, but it, it sounds like Jordan Matthews could be a nice get for the, for the bills. What are you guys thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they have anybody to take the top off the defense, like Sammy Watkins would, um, I guess say Jones, I'm not sure how he's going to, or what exactly his role is going to be there with, uh, Jordan Matthews coming in, but, um, it'll definitely be interesting to see, especially with Tyrod Taylor. And this is like a contract year for him too. And for them just to pull the plug on Sammy Watkins, it's just kind of crazy to me because they gave up uh, what, like two first round picks and something else for Sammy Watkins. Uh, oh yeah, I mean they gave up, right. up a lot for him, and then they're just they're done. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, well I, mean, I, I think that I think that has to tell you what they probably feel about Zay Jones, right? Because yeah. now they have Anquan Bolden, Jordan Matthews, Zay Jones. Anquan Bolden's probably not going to play a lot but I think he's going to be dependable up close. Um, I think that says a lot about Zay Jones. Yeah. What's interesting to me is what the Bills gave up to get Jordan Matthews in the Jordan Matthews trade. They send uh, really the best corner on their team in Ronald Darby to the Eagles. And what doesn't you know, add up to me is that they, uh, they, didn't, they chose to not re-sign uh, Stephon Gilmore, who you know, got the big contract in New England. Um, so they lose that key piece of their defense – they also didn't re-sign Zach Brown, middle linebacker. I think had like over 130 tackles last season. Yeah, he had a great, really a great, great year for him. And and so the, the Bills' defense loses, you know, Zach Brown, Stephon Gilmore, and now Darby. Um, and so it's 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 interesting to me how you know the, the Bills probably two three seasons ago under Rex Ryan had one of the best defenses in the league, and now you know they're kind of left with some with some broken pieces, if you will. Yeah, I mean they've got some some work to do there. I'm sure the fans aren't happy either with losing Sammy Watkins. I bet they're uh, a little ticked off. But I mean, look at the upside though of the Rams' offense. You know, and they in the Watkins trade. Here is their uh, here's kind of their lineup right now. Quarterback, you know, Jared Goff, who not a great rookie season. Um, but I mean, look who his head coach was in you know, Jeff Fisher, but running back Todd Gurley, uh, here are the receivers, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, also a former bill Cooper cup, their second round pick out of Eastern Washington, Tavon Austin, who's kind of forgotten about now and Pharaoh Cooper tight ends, Gerald Everett and uh, Zach Higby. And then keep in mind, they signed uh, Andrew Whitworth left tackle from the Bengals. So they, uh, they definitely have some upside and some promise for uh, first-year head coach Sean McVay. Yeah, and this is a great chance for Jared Goff to prove that he belongs. I mean, I don't know what else he needs. He's got some depth at wide receiver for sure, and then um, 
they can get Gurley going as well. They could be kind of a sleeper offense. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. It brings me back to a point Mike DiRocco made on his call earlier with us. You know, he had talked about how, you know, I'd kind of thought maybe the Jacks were trying to help Blake Bortles by, you know, drafting running back number four overall and kind of some of the moves they made in their offseason. But he he felt like, you know, they hadn't touched their offensive line. Well, it looks like, you know, the Rams are doing everything they can to help Jared Goff. So I'll, I'll be interested to see which quarterback progresses more this season, Goff or, or Bortles. Um, but – you know, the two trade headlines, really big part of the day, um, but were, it was both were quickly forgotten about when the news of Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys, second-year running back, uh, six-game suspension was levied, and that news was, was uh, released today. Uh, guys, we talked about Zeke Elliott's possible suspension dating back to probably, what, June? And so the, the, the news finally dropped today. Um, so my, my question for you all – Besides, I guess, you know, the alleged victim and her family uh, and, and certainly want to be sensitive there. But, but who gains the most from Zeke's uh, suspension? Um, I guess it's going to have to be whoever steps up. Is that going to be McFadden, I guess? Is he next in line? Uh, yeah, McFadden and Alfred Morris. Yeah. So, I mean, fantasy wise, it's going to be McFadden for sure. I don't know if this means that um, they're going to throw the ball a lot more or you know, if that helps Dez or Dak or anything like that. Um, but whoever's next in line, this is a, a huge opportunity for them. And I'll be very interested to see uh, when Zeke does come back exactly, if they're going to give him, a, a you know, the full load immediately. Like, are they just going to turn right back to him or that they're going to try to ease him in for another game? Because if that's the case and they try to ease him back in, essentially you're losing Zeke for nine weeks, you know? Uh, or however long it takes him to get the full load. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah, Matt. Well, I feel like they'll he's I feel like he'll play immediately when he comes back unless um I mean there's talk about Jerry Jones suing, there's all kinds of things going on and if they do that and there's disclosure and news comes out that something really bad did happen, I mean you're losing the face of your franchise. So yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting. One thing I'm interested to see, too, is that they are going to appeal. Um, is, there, is there a chance that that could last into, like, the season? Could that could he appeal long enough to where he could play week one? Do you all know? I mean, I, mean, I think it, it could, but I don't think they will. I think they accelerated some appeals last year. Yeah. And I don't think that they'll make that last. I mean, you still have three more weeks of preseason left. So yeah, I couldn't see um, as much flack as Roger Goodell takes over things like this. I could not see um, them not accelerating that in some way. I think the other people that benefit from uh, Zeke Elliott being suspended are teams like the Redskins or teams like the Giants who, um, you know, everybody thought they were going to run into a buzzsaw called the Cowboys this year. And now the Cowboys are, I mean, they're kind of in disarray right now, losing somebody that, somebody like Zeke, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think from a reputation and maybe a radar perspective, the the, the three guys I think of that gained the most from this are Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady, because you know <laughs> the new the new antagonists of the NFL are, are Jerry Jones and, and Zeke Elliott, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I would have to agree with that, and I mean the NFL. I feel like they're just making a statement with this. I don't know if his appeal is going to do any good. I don't think that they're going to take any games away from this for the domestic violence policy that they have and, and also letting him know that, hey, you're going to get a possible 
um, year-long ban or whatever it may be if he does this again. So he's really got to walk a tight rope from this point on. We talked about who gains from this suspension. Obviously, a lot of people are left behind. You got to think of of Cowboys fans and and you know the, the organization as a whole, of course. Um, but one person that comes to mind to me is is Dak Prescott, a guy who had one of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback that we've seen in really some time. Uh, here's a, here's a stat that really uh, stood out to me. I heard this on on ESPN Radio today as as the news broke, but. Cowboys 2016 quarterback passer rating with Zeke on the field, 113.5. Their 2016 quarterback passer rating without Zeke on the field, 88.1. Wow. So really, I mean, that that is a game-changer, game-changing kind of player, and I, I think we'll see really the effects of, of their offense early. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and I don't think there's anything in Dak Prescott's favor right now because their strength of schedule this year is – horrendous compared to what he had to go through last year. And I think that's going to be, um, I mean, I, I don't know that I would want him as my QB one this year yeah. with what's about to happen to the Cowboys. Yeah, sure. And that, that was my next question. And Zach, you'd be the perfect person to, to answer this. Cause you know, last year there was a, I believe it was a two game or maybe a four game suspension pending for Le'Veon Bell heading into the season. And that was with uh, an, a talk of an appeal uh, heading into draft night last year for our league, you and Brian, uh, your co-manager, you guys opted to go ahead and draft Le'Veon. Was it pick seven or eight overall, I believe? Was it kind of middle uh, of the first round? Yeah, I can't remember where we were, but yeah, it was like middle to late. We took him, yeah. So if, if the appeal is denied and the six-game suspension is upheld, uh, someone who has drafted a player facing a suspension ahead of the season, I think you can answer this. Where does uh, Ezekiel Elliott's fantasy draft value fall with this suspension? And I guess if it's reduced to four games, how does that change his, his draft stock? Uh, well, definitely if he somehow – I mean, he's definitely not going to go in the first round in my opinion. I don't think he should go in the second round either. Uh, probably somewhere in, in three, you know, round three or four, if I had to guess, just because of where their buy falls as well. I think the they said the Cowboys buy was in uh, week six, and so he would not be back. Um, is it week eight, something like that? Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. That's just a, that's a long time. When we had when we were going after Le'Veon, um, his his got reduced to three games. So that's really not that big of a deal with the talent that he is. But I don't know. It's just going to be this is a whole different um, situation with that many games. And you're taking a big risk taking him. Um, so it just depends on if whoever wants to eat that many games with your whatever pick, whatever round that is, you're just basically going to be losing him for at least half the season. And once he comes back, if he, you know, like I was saying, if he does share a load at all, you've got five weeks to get into the playoffs if you're not in a good situation, you know. So yeah, sucks. Well, I guess, it, it, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, I mean, do you, I could still see somebody reaching for him though. Could oh you see yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. Somebody, somebody will probably reach for him in our league for sure. Yeah. And I think, man, six weeks is a long time. Yeah. Like you're in bad shape. Yep. I mean, what week? What week did the fire sale start last year? It was probably eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there. 
Yeah, pace. I mean, you lose your you lose your number one guy that long, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if you're a fantasy manager, what you have to evaluate, right, is is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. And to me, to me, here, here's the draft value in my opinion: six game suspension if that's upheld, plus a bye week in a in a league like ours that it really it's a 14 week season if you make it to the championship throughout the playoffs, right? It's a 14 week season. So for Zeke Elliott, six games plus his bye week, that means he's only playing 50%, you know, only one half of, of the season. So I, to me, I just don't know if it's worth it. It reminds me a lot of uh, 2015 when Jeff uh, Gaw drafted Josh Gordon. And heading into the season, he was kind of up in the air, his status of whether he would play or not. And uh, we quickly learned, you know, even after the four game suspension, something was probably going to happen. And I think he, you know, he relapsed or slipped or something and ended up not playing that season at all. So that's, to me, it's very comparable. And, and he's just kind of somebody I don't want to toy around with. Might be my no thanks. Yeah. The other thing is with Zeke, he's got to come back and be at that form that he was this past season. And off the bat, he he was not, um, you know, last year when he first started, he was not, doing that great for like the first two games or so. I don't know if you remember that. And um, then he started to turn it on. And I mean, obviously they've got a great offensive line there, but if he was to come back <laughs> and, and and not be what you think he is, you know, with whatever first round value you feel or second round or third, um, that would just be a total waste. And the same for Dak and the whole, the whole offense. This is just, I mean, it's going to affect everybody. Um it, everybody, it, Dak, I mean, second-year quarterback, it's all on him now. Everybody's going to be looking at Dak. Yeah, and uh, let me you know, toss this question out to both of you guys um, to respond. You know, with, with Zeke now out, I feel like the general consensus, even before his suspension, was that, you know, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson were kind of 1A and 1B, right, of the number one and number two uh, fantasy running backs in the NFL, especially for – uh, PPR leagues, p- points per reception. But I, before the suspension, really, I think Zeke Elliott was probably the number three behind those two guys, wherever you, you know, however you ranked David Johnson and, and Le'Veon Bell. So with, with Zeke's draft stock just plummeting after the suspension was, was levied today, who's the third best running back or the, the top, you know, the, the third running back really based on ADP average draft position uh, in, in your opinion I'd have to think about it I'm, I'm not um I'm not a hundred percent sure I know that you know after those guys come off the board um, there's a lot of people taking Antonio Brown and you could almost make the you could make the argument to take Antonio Brown number three or number two here depending on who you like the most so what but what's the lady on Bell update right now what do, um, what do you mean? I mean, is is he holding out? Oh no, I I don't imagine they have they have so much uh you know to lose by him not being around. Like they they have a real shot at contending for the Super Bowl. I, I think they're gonna make it work, and, and he'll be back. Um, but I I think to me I would rank you know one A one B Le'Veon Bell and uh, and David Johnson. But I think my third right now would probably be a guy like Melvin Gordon. The way he finished 2016 and, and yep. talent around him in in, uh, in L.A. with the Chargers, I, I I would rank Melvin Gordon up near the top. And 
What's funny about that is if he would have, if I would have made that statement at the end of his rookie season, you know, I would have been laughed out of the room. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, I think Rish had him last year too. And uh, Rish's team was starting to come together really well towards the end of last season. And he had Melvin Gordon and yeah, he uh, really caught fire over there. So that's not a bad option at all. For sure. Um, we mentioned Zeke Elliott possibly being a no thanks candidate. Guys, let's go ahead and mention who uh, currently let's let's be a little diverse and, and think of someone we haven't already mentioned, but who is uh, you know, as of August eleventh, your no thanks candidate right now? Um do you just want me to give one or to give give two? Yeah, just give one. We'll we'll do one for today. Okay. Um I mean, I was going to say Alan Hearns, but I feel like we've already covered Jacksonville enough. Um, Mike Glennon, no thanks. <laughs> that was that was rough. Yeah. Yikes. What happened? What happened? Um, and Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky is getting a lot of love today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He answered. I think he answered the Deshaun Watson call pretty well. Yeah. Last night. Quick side story. I don't want to hijack this topic, but I can't remember if I mentioned this or not. I heard on one of the radio shows that Mike Glennon was at a draft party um, with all like the, you know, big business people and season pass holders or whatever for the the bears, you know, they just signed him and everything. And he's there at the draft party that night of the draft. And then all of a sudden they make that huge trade and get Mitchell Trubisky and he's there. And everybody was just talking about how awkward it was. Can you imagine being Mike Glennon? You're like shaking everybody's hand like you're the guy and everybody's pumped about that you're here. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, oh my gosh, what just happened? And then here they go bring well, this guy. I think he's got 18 million reasons. To oh, yeah, he's doing okay. He's doing okay. But I kind of wish I was in that room at that time to see his face. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I, another, and you know, the Bears faced you know the Broncos in their first preseason game. I guess that was last night, and uh, Trubisky looked good. But on the other side of the ball, my no thanks, and I think this is the first time I've done this before, but my no thanks is two um, position groups from the same team: the Denver Broncos quarterback position and the running back position. No thanks. Yeah, I, I have. I have no confidence in C.J. Anderson. I have absolutely zero confidence in, you know, Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon, whatever quarterback they decide to roll out there. I just, I mean, the, the best looking running back right now is D'Angelo Henderson, who was like a seventh round draft pick from Coastal Carolina, I believe. I mean, that guy was really toward the bottom of, of the draft pool, and he looked he looked good. I know it's the preseason, but I mean, I. I just I cannot trust a single quarterback or running back from the Broncos right now. So no thanks. Yeah, I'll give my no thanks. The the first guy that came to mind for me was Tavon Austin because he always seems to have his moments in fantasy, and he was the guy that I thought of when I heard about the trade that um, he's just kind of on the outside of this. I mean, maybe he'll do something, or I mean, hey, uh, we all know Sammy Watkins can get hurt, but um, I'm gonna say no thanks to Tavon Austin. And, and we'd mentioned the preseason and, and the performances of some of these young quarterbacks like, uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky and, and some of the games we've seen thus far. And I guess a nice uh, a nice discussion topic here, preseason games, guys. Do we really have to watch these to know who we're going to pick on draft night? Is, has there ever been a single fantasy um, magazine or, or online site that that updated their, um, 
you know, draft boards depending on a performance of a player during during a, a preseason game? Uh, I would say that third preseason game kind of gives you a good idea, and it can really make you excited about somebody, and it can really scare you about somebody. Um, sure. So other than that, the first two, it's just kind of fun to watch to see, like, the rookies and stuff like that. Like, last night I just turned on the you know NFL Network and watched I, – I didn't even know who was playing, and then I saw Trubisky, and I watched him just lead him down the field and score a touchdown. And I was like, oh, wow. that's I couldn't believe that, you know, so um, – First two games, nah, but after that, that third game, that's kind of something to watch, and that does impact my rankings. Um, I mean, I think I'm glad that we draft late because I think things like injuries are really going to impact. Um, I draft in a 10-team league. Preseason means nothing, but I think in a 14-team league with as many bench spots as we have, I think you have to watch some random mundane things. Um to try to get deep in that draft and do something. We'll uh, we'll look forward to uh, some more preseason talk next week, guys. I uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Titans' first preseason game. Uh, they'll be playing without Demarco Murray and uh, without Corey Davis, of course. But we'll at least get to see maybe a few snaps from Marcus and and definitely Derrick Henry. So we'll uh, we'll recap the Titans' preseason uh, first preseason game next on next week's show. Uh, but let's close out with uh, the tweets of the week. Tweet of the week. Yeah, sticking with the theme of the Buffalo Bills trades, plural, that they made today, uh, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, Freezing Cold Takes, uh, put out a tweet today. The Buffalo Bills, um, you know, whoever is in on their social media team, tweeted out two hours before the trade. I mean, it, you, you can't write this stuff. It, it writes itself. Two hours before the trade, Buffalo Bills tweeted out a photo of Sammy Watkins with the tweet that said they spent time together in the offseason and it showed last night. Tyrod's favorite target. Tyrod's favorite target is back. Picture of of receiver Sammy Watkins. And then two hours later, Buffalo Bills tweeted, we've acquired cornerback EJ Gaines and a second round pick from the Rams in exchange for Sammy Watkins and the 2018 sixth round pick. Wow. I mean, come come on. Can you imagine running that Twitter account? That guy, I bet he was going crazy for those like two hours right there with Zeke and then all those trades happening. That's good stuff. But I mean, I, you know, if you work within an NFL organization, I would imagine that if you're on the same floor even as some some of the executives and people in the mind with those trades, how did you not get word of that? How was someone not talking at the water cooler yeah. in those two hours? In those two hours to, to remove the tweet. So Man. I thought that was pretty good. That was that was my tweet of the week. Zach, what do you got? Good. Yeah, I saw one about Leonard Fournette and um, James Palmer. I guess NFL Network. He he said I asked Jaguars Leonard Fournette point blank, can you do what Zeke did last year in your rookie season? And he, and he answered, Yeah, I think so. And then you heard the comments as well as him talking about how easy it was because he played in the SEC and all that stuff. Dude, that guy is putting a target on his back. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch week one to see. I think they play the – who was it? Is it like the Steelers or somebody like that? No, it's the Texans. They play the Texans. So, well, what's, what's even, the best part of that comment is people now the, – the easy comparison is to say, oh, is, is Leonard Fournette going to have a similar rookie season to you know Zeke Elliott? Well, man, the, the 
the investigation and all the, the pending allegations took place during Zeke's rookie season. All of the <laughs> alleged, you know, domestic violence yeah. incidents took place while he was a rookie. So, man, if I'm if I'm Leonard Fournette, I'm not I'm not agreeing to uh, having a similar rookie season to Zeke Elliott. Man, come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. So that was uh, those were our tweets of the week, and I guess that uh, that concludes episode fifty three. Yep. Um, Zach, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that was a great interview. Excited about that. Hopefully, we can get some more um, on here. And sure. I'm looking forward to next episode, just kind of digging into the all the preseason games um, in general that we've seen. Special thanks again to Mike Duracco of uh, ESPN's NFL Nation, beat reporter for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I uh, want to conclude again by saying no promises uh, on getting – more guests like this because we want to leave it as a surprise but i hope you guys uh, in our league and, and some of the listeners enjoyed uh, some of these these guests we've had on um for zach and for matt we'll see you guys next week